The world of construction is transforming before our eyes. How we design, plan, quantify and build is changing day to day. But it's never been so easy to connect, share and bring people together. Our industry is reshaping. So how do we develop relationships? How do we overcome our fears? How do we generate business? And how do we ultimately become the best version of ourselves? This is Need to Measure. I'm Nick Donaghy. My guest today is... On this episode of Made to Measure, we are joined by Eleanor Mosha. Eleanor is one of the standout symbols within the Australian construction industry. She is a best-selling author, the founder of The Construction Coach, a highly successful podcast host with one of the leading career podcasts in Australia, a writer and speaker featured in Yahoo Finance, the Australian National Construction Review, the Property Council of Australia's Top 500 Women in Property, and much, much more. On this episode, Eleanor and I deep dive into the topic of personal branding. I find it incredibly interesting to see the brand that Eleanor has developed over the last few years and the insights and information she presents in this podcast really cut through the gray and make it clear how construction professionals can break off the shackles and develop a meaningful brand personal to their cause and concerns. If you're working in the construction sector and you're seeking advice on how you can stand out from the noise and become a beacon of hope and knowledge, this is the podcast for you. I really hope you enjoy it. So this is Made to Measure. This is Mick Donaghy and my guest today is Eleanor Mosha. How's it going, Eleanor? I'm excellent. Thank you so much for having me. And it's great to be on the other side of the microphone. Yeah, well, you're the first person I've interviewed who's also who also has a podcast. So I'm like, I'm a little bit nervous here because I guess you'll uh, potentially end up interviewing me, but we don't know yet. <laughs> you, you know, the mere fact that, you know, people are trying and putting themselves out there and actually producing content is in my world always commendable. So I love what you do as well. Awesome. So for the, the guys out there who aren't familiar with, with you or, or your podcast, Eleanor, can you potentially introduce yourself? Of course. So I am an ambitious and driven thought leader in the construction industry. I am the founder of my business, The Construction Coach, which allows future leaders and industry professionals to achieve a faster progression, higher remuneration and more recognition in their career. It's Australia's first construction coach. I'm also the host of my podcast, Constructing You, where I interview exemplary leaders and industry titans from the property and construction industry, not to see only what they do, but also who they are and who they've had to become in the process of their journey and to get to where they are. And I absolutely love putting out that value to the community. And I'm also the best-selling author of my book, Constructing Your Career, which shows readers how to build an exceptional career in construction by working on the 12 foundational stages on the greatest project that they ever will, which is, of course, themselves. 
Awesome. Awesome. Well, that's probably the, the best introduction I've had yet. So uh, <laughs> Thank you. you're, you're the expert here. So what I'm really interested in doing is talking about all of that. So how you've developed the brand, how you've developed the construction coach, how you're helping other people, but also kind of get an understanding of how you balance that with your career in construction, because obviously there's a lot of people out there who say but don't do and it's what's really interesting is that you say and do which i love thank you it's all in the execution people do not need more information or they do not need more how to's what people need is more execution and that's that's a differentiating factor between those who look like they have a 10 year overnight success story it's all in the execution Mm -hmm. how did you get into construction first of all eleanor I blindly followed the system when I finished school at 18 and I was given the notion that I am a creative and I am a creative, but not in that conventional sense of drawing. So I enrolled in a Bachelor of Environments major in architecture and I hated it. I did not take joy in the design process. I felt frustrated and there lacked a level of logical application to me and I could never see myself as being that that grandiose architect that has their name on the building whereas my peers and colleagues at the time they could and that's why they were burning the midnight oil in the studios and building these fantastic models i was the student who came to class with a model where the glue was still dripping but an amazing way with words so i could always spin my way out of any studio presentation so towards the end of my bachelor degree i was part of a global exhibition and I really took the lead in the planning role and actually found that my personality was far more suited towards that at the time. So I thought outside the box at the time and I said, look, I'm going to try something else. I'm going to go explore this world of construction because, you know, of course you need a traditional academic academia in order to have a successful career. No, but based on the worldview that I had at the time, I looked at what the options were, urban planning, that seemed boring. Architecture, that was a no. I had no idea what property was at the time. So construction seemed like the best option versed out of all the master's degree. And I enrolled and obviously it worked out very well for me. And very quickly, the construction industry was everything that I wanted to know. And it left me with more questions than ever before. And I absolutely loved that. It's not just about the skill set, but there is so much you know, people involved in everything that we do. It's about morals and ethics and, you know, legalities and there's a commercial side. So I certainly found myself in in the construction industry, but, you know, then again found myself in a, you know, five, six years later feeling quite stuck and have stagnated in my career and made, I'm sure we'll get to it, but made different decisions, which led me on the path that I am on today. So, I'm really interested in, in talking about that path, Eleanor. So what's really interesting is that you've developed, obviously, a podcast. You're an author. You've built this really strong brand w- within the market. W- at what point did you start thinking about developing a brand within construction? It started when, first of all, I had a vision for myself and my own career, realizing that fitting in is not my prerogative. I have never heard, had a herd mentality. And wherever I go, I've always stood out and teamed that with, you know, things that were happening in my career at the time, which were causing friction. I started realizing where I am right now, this isn't it. Mm-hmm. This 
the end of the line. This is certainly not what I have been banking on my whole life. Like you, you know, the thinking that you have had results in what you experienced today. So I realized that where I am right now is a reflection of all my thinking and I had to upgrade my thinking. So I did that first of all via deep diving into my vision, what that actually was. And that was a period of great friction, as I said, and, and growth for me. And I'm so grateful that it happened. So I can be on the other side of it. And when you have a strong belief in your vision, the universe will align people and opportunities around you that can become the vehicle to creating this future and the impact that you are actually so deeply desiring to. And this happened a few months after I started my business, The Construction Coach. And it didn't have much to it at the time. I said, it'll just be a blog. I'll just do this. I'll get a logo and a website and I'll do something cute. And months later, I met my now mentor, Ron Malhotra. And Ron showed me the third career path. You can be a traditional employee, you can be a traditional entrepreneur, or you can be a thought leader. And thought leadership is when you create businesses, brands, and impacts that are an extension of who you are. But in order to actually know that, you first of all have to go through a very detailed process. It is both an art and a science to actually identify all of who you are, what your message is. And at the time when I was thinking, oh, should I do this? Should I not? It was a big decision at the time, but it was the best decision that I've made in my adult life because it has allowed me to have, you know, so much, you know, extensions to my name. Eleanor Moshe is the brand. I am the brand and I get to attach many different outlets to it. It's a business, it's a book, it's a podcast, but it's all congruent. It is all consistent because I have spent a lot of time with Ron, eight months figuring out my message, my brand, what I'm about, what is so authentic to me. And I'm sure we will get into it, but branding is about being authentic to who you are. But in order to actually know that, you have to first of all figure out who you are. And for me, it took working with Ron, who is larger than life, and for him to hold up a mirror for me to see all of who I am. And we went to, through a very intrinsic process to, to develop the brand that everyone sees today. Okay, so there's lots to unpack there, which, which I love. So you mentioned at the very start, it was all about finding that vision. And then obviously, teaming up with a mentor helped you sort of create that vision and then reverse engineer it. Did you go about trying to find a mentor or did it, was it just like, a, a, I suppose, two and two come together and it was just quite easy? Or was it something that you were actually set, set about and, and you went out and looking for it? I didn't even know there was someone like Ron who can do what Ron does and who would have such a perfect solution that was, I always tell Ron, you made this program for me. And because of the massive success that I've had with the program, I am one of Ron's master facilitators for the Thought Leadership Program. But I've always had mentoring. And I know that if I want to get to a destination, I don't need to be foolish and think, I'm just going to figure it all out by myself. I don't have that ego. Mm -hmm. And I value time more than I do money. And I know that we only have 900 months, 4,000 weeks, whichever way you put it, time is limited. Why would I waste 10 years going down the path of greatest resistance in order to figure out a process? And it's not even saying that I would even know how to figure it out. I know that everything that I have learned with Ron it's not publicly available. You wouldn't have figured it out. 
There are over 50 elements that are required to come together in order to establish yourself as an authority and to be a thought leader. So when such an opportunity came up, it wasn't, I wasn't thinking, oh, what have I got to lose? It was, what can I gain out of this? What can I actually gain? What can I learn? What can I experience? And yes, it took for Ron to see something within me that I didn't see in myself back then because people carry around a very low self-belief system and that translates into their brand, that translates into their performance at work, that seeps out into many different parts of their life. So did I even know that, you know, there was such a mentoring program as this? No, but I place so much value on mentoring. And in order to be a leader, you both, you know, I'm constantly a student and I'm, I'm the mentor as well. I think it's foolish to think that people can progress their, throughout their careers and think that they can figure it all out themselves. That is a path of greatest resistance and not the greatest success. So what are the main advantages of working with a mentor? I know that you've just highlighted some, but what were the main functions for you? When I look at mentoring and also when people come to me for mentoring, the first thing they have to look at is what results does this person have in their life? If I want someone's results, then yes, I'm going to align myself with them. And if it means a mentoring program, then that's what it is that I will do. I will do whatever it takes. But you first and foremost have to look at the results that someone has in their life. Because if you don't want their results, what has their advice got to do with you? What does their, you know, what does their guidance have anything to do with you? So when I first saw Ron, Ron as a person and Ron as the businesses that he has and the lifestyle that he has and his brand that he has, it was magnetic and I was drawn to it because it was a, fr- a breath of fresh air, especially coming from the corporate background and mm-hmm. coming from especially you know, an industry that is somewhat stale and conservative as construction where branding has no importance and seeing Ron, someone who embodied all of who it was and had this you know, incredible brand and presence just absolutely drew me in. And yes, the advantages, of course, I save time, but it's the emotional intangible benefits that comes with working with a mentor, as well as literally being given the tools to say, hey, this is how it's done. And we're going to show you how to do it. You go and do it. And then you actually start to generate the results for yourself in your life. I could go on and on about about the benefits, probably a a podcast episode within itself, but I am always grateful that I took that one first step. I needed to take that first step and Ron walked with me the whole way and I do the same with clients. So at the point where you met Ron, did you already have the blog in place or? I did. I had had a website and and a blog and it had no distinct, there was nothing distinct about it. It was... Yes, of course, you know, the notion of the construction coach was new and that very quickly did garner popularity and the blog is still running, but it wasn't just that. It was always meant to be more, except I didn't know what that would look like and what that could look like. Mm-hmm. So that I've worked with mentors before as well, and it's, it's, it's quite painful sometimes working with a mentor because they're like extracting so much from you. It's like... You, you, it's, they're making you become the best version of, of yourself. And that's, it's not easy to get there. And what, what, was that something similar for you? Yeah, I had, you know, the highs are very high and the lows are very low. But, you know, same as in my mentoring experience, we don't let our mentees 
pay in the low. Mm -hmm. And it's not always about the high. You can't have one without the other. And I'm so glad for those light bulb moments, those moments of great friction, of moments when I was not really sure what I was doing. But one thing that I do so well is I trust the process and really what I had to do because a mentor can see the end game. They can see that and they know, okay, this is a pathway that you can take. But when you are in the trenches, you don't always see the process. It unravels as you go along. And that's where a lot of people also don't want to start because they can't see it exactly. And they don't even have enough belief in themselves or trust in themselves to trust the process. It's not the process's fault. It is the individual who has such, again, a low low level of self-belief and low level of trust in themselves to actually make it work as they go along. But I always knew enough about myself that anything that I apply myself to, I make it work. I've always been wired that way. So what, I guess then when you, when you started and you, you got your vision, what, what was the next, what's the next thing you done? I believed in it. Mm-hmm. And how, did you, how did you start believing in it? I started asking myself, So if you want to attain better results in your life, you actually have to start upgrading the quality of your questions. And I started asking myself then the big and meaningful questions, what it is that I actually want. Why am I, you know, where I am? Why am I feeling stuck? Why am I struggling with X decision? And for me, I, I love writing. Obviously, I wrote a book, but I turned to journaling. And it was through journaling that you get into this trance where it's just pen to paper and there's a level of flow and you actually go really deep into yourself. And that's how I came up with these realizations. And I I knew that the mere fact that I can have a thought, it is already a metaphysical part of my reality. Then my job is to actually make it part of my reality. And seeing is believing, like that's what visualization is. I could actually see this for myself. This is the kind of life. And I didn't know how that would eventuate. I had no idea. And I'm not fixated on the how. Your job is to fixate yourself on the what and the why. The Mm. universe will come in with the how, and that's exactly what happened. But the first part was, was belief. So if there's someone out there now who has a vision and is currently working for a business and believes in themselves, what's that next step, do you think? It's knowing what it is that you really want, Mm -hmm. straight from societal conditions. And if you're making it, you know, and you're setting yourself on a pathway, make sure that you have an expansive worldview and you're not actually thinking in terms of a box. And that is where, you know, the corporate world lets people down and people think that, you know, I want to have this career and I have to fit it into this box and I have to mm. fit it into certain titles. And it has nothing to do with all of that. I mean, even two years ago, I, I don't I never thought that I would have author to my name, but it's not about the titles. I'm not a blogger, I'm not a podcast host, I'm not an author, I'm not a founder, I'm Eleanor Musher, and these are the things that I I do. So what I focused more on was what is the impact that I mm. want to have? What is the legacy that I wanted that I want to leave? What is it that actually allows me to be in my zone of genius, not my zone of incompetence or yeah. competence? It was what actually energetically makes me come alive. And they were the things that you actually have to start paying attention to. And that's what starts to give you clues as to what that vision is. If it is stripped away from societal expectations of thinking within a box and also thinking in terms of where you are right now. Mm-hmm. So, so when you were going through this sort of like rebirth and this sort of like regeneration that, that, that you were really feeling at the time, 
you were obviously still working. You, you, you obviously still had a, a job and a career. Was there any sort of kickback from your from any of your employers or colleagues? Or like, what 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 are you doing here? Like, how are you perceiving yourself to be a coach when essentially you've been in the industry for maybe less time than than some of the real senior people? What what was that like? The experience thing is phenomenal because people think that having 40 years experience can sometimes mean something. It could be one year of experience repeated 40 times. Mm. And mm. in the thought in the thought leadership world, it's about our thinking. My thinking is my most valuable assets. It is having distinctive thinking. And when you package that distinctive thinking with a brand, with adding more value to the marketplace than anyone else and, you know, constantly adding value. That's what we're doing, constantly adding value. And then people can see, you know, they move past the conventional metrics of, you know, they need to be a professional and have X years of experience to be competent. So there's a lot of metrics associated with that. But yes, at the time, you know, it does elicit a level of curiosity within people and they come up with really basic questions you know, are, are you making money or how are you doing it? Instead of asking questions that are actually, you know, beneficial to growth, how can I support you? Is there anything that, you know, I, I can do to help you along your journey? People really wanted to find out the, the nitty gritty and they want to find out, they always want to find out what your plan is. People are more concerned with other people's plans and they will fixate themselves on that instead of actually thinking, what can I do? How can I also impact? How can I also add unparalleled value to the marketplace? Where can I take my career? This goes back to the part about asking better questions. But yes, it does elicit a level of intrigue from people and fantastic. See, I, I find that like I'm a, a little bit like you where, you know, if I'm doing something, I need to be doing some, like two or three other things at the same time because it's just not enough for me. I feel like I'm failing by just doing my job. I know it sounds terrible, but that's just the way I am. But in terms of there'll be people out there who'll, who'll, who'll it'll be, be the same, but they're maybe working for large corporations or large companies and they're thinking, I can't do that because... I'm working for a business at the minute. So how do they combat that thought? How do they get through that? There's many ways to approach that. One is, you know, to have a very open conversation about your intentions and your ambitions outside of work with your employer in work. Of course, that really depends on the culture. There are some companies who are so intimidated by mm. an employer doing anything outside of work because they falsely think that the workplace has to provide every sense of fulfillment spiritually, financially, creatively, from a relationship perspective, from an intellectual perspective. So they're actually, you know, get shaken because it's more a reflection of them and it's not the employee. So an employee in that situation really has to assess the corporate culture and, you know, the ethos of management and the overarching values within an organisation. So you can have that conversation, but you also need to, you know, assess priorities. If you think it's going to rock the employment boat, well, if that does happen, are you going to stop doing the, let's call it extracurricular activities? Because if yes, then whatever it is that you're trying to do, it doesn't, it's not, it's not coming from a place of pull motivation. It's not pulling you enough, you, you know, mm. and just one challenge, one obstacle. And there are certainly 
ways around that. If what you were doing was so important to you, maybe you need to find an employer which facilitates, you know, having a multifaceted life and, you know, being multi-passionate. There are so many employers who actually encourage that because it makes for better people within the mm. workplace. And then they actually start to capitalize on that, on that value. But it really comes from you know, an employer pitching this in a way that says, I am increasing my value proposition to you. This is how you as the employer are going to benefit because in those sometimes conversations, people focus on me, 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 this is what I'm going to do and this is how I'm going to benefit. And then the employer's sitting there thinking, well, where where do I fit into this? So mm-hmm. then with this is how it's going to benefit you, I will still maintain all my responsibilities. But what I do outside of work is what I do outside of work. Mm-hmm. It's, it's quite interesting because you see it in the, the tech world, like w- within large technology companies. I was reading recently that one of the founders in Silicon Valley of billion dollar business, they don't hire people unless they have a side hustle. Because I guess it, it shows a level of enthusiasm, ambition and hunger. But construction is definitely at the minute, like the, the, the mindset is definitely not there yet. It's not. It's, you know, it is a conservative industry with people that have come up through conservative ways of thinking that this is how you have a career in construction. This is my, this is what it has to look like. And for you know, a long time, truths weren't accepted. People thought that smoking wasn't bad once upon a time. People thought that the world was flat once upon a time. So, you know, this truth as to how careers can actually be run differently how people can actually be fulfilled from a financial, spiritual, and what they can actually do within an organization, there's certainly a shakeup happening. And right now, I uh, guarantee that the professional world is sleeping. And those that actually wake up to the world of opportunity that is present right now, they are going to be putting themselves in so much better stead come the next five years, which is going to be a time of you know even more amplified competition and what has worked in the past, that's going out the window. That's not working anymore. If there's someone out there at the moment who's an employee of, of a business, but has this hunger and fire in their belly, to, they have an interest in something and they really want to talk about it or showcase it or whatever it might be. I guess that you obviously you mentioned about believing in it and, and going for it, but would you have any tips about how you would start off? Do you, do you start off small, like... I guess you did with the blog and grow uh, sort of organically, or do you go all out and say, ah, this is me now, this is what I'm doing? Well, when people do that, how do they actually know that this is a message that is authentic to themselves? How do they actually know that this is how they need to position themselves in order to be heard, in order to stand out in a credible and notable fashion? And it fascinates me when people think they can craft a personal brand by themselves, never having gone through the process or have actually, you know, even aligned with someone who has done so. So, yes, you can try it yourself, but that is also the path of greatest resistance. My advice would be if you really do believe in yourself that you have a message, that you want to be the change agent, that you really do want to, on a very deep level, impact people. Look at people in the marketplace who are doing that and then do what they have done. Mm. You know, success leaves clues. You know, people that have attained success, they don't keep it under lock and key and don't share anything. This is exactly the process. This is what we have done. These are the decisions. 
that we've made along the way. So, you know, is it about all of a sudden coming out of the woodwork and <laughs> and saying, this is, yeah. what, this is what I'm standing for. I've just <laughs> launched this or I wrote a book. Great. Where is the community? Who are you actually speaking to? I mean, there's so much to do with, you know, messaging and target marketing and having a message to market. It's not just about all of a sudden, I care about working from home because COVID has come around. I'm going to start talking about that. I mean, that also doesn't stick. So it really depends on the reasons. Uh, it comes back to the why. Why are you doing this? Why do you want visibility in your career? Some people can have high visibility in their career, but their expertise level is quite low and they get found out very quickly. They are the people, and I see them, there's a lot of those in the industry that, you know, it's all a facade and behind the facade, there's nothing there. Then you have people on the other hand, which have a high level of, of expertise. They're excellent at what they do, but no one knows about them. Mm. Have really low visibility. And this is a framework that, you know, my mentor Ron has come up with, but if you really do want to stand out in a credible and notable fashion, it's a balance between the expertise and the visibility. And in the full leadership world, yes, that is crafted first by being authentic to all of who you are and, and being that. Mm. So, yes, someone can tomorrow post on LinkedIn. It is a free world. But I would question, what are you actually trying to do here? What is the intention that is really going on here? No, I, I agree. You, you, you definitely do find that there's a lot of people who are the, the noisiest or sometimes the, the least skilled. <laughs> um, well, you just takes five minutes on Twitter and, and you can find that out pretty quickly. How did you actually write a book during, well, I guess there's been a pandemic for the last six months, but how did you write a book while having all of the, of the branding side of things going on and, and having a business and having a business and working in a business? My ethos is that everyone has a book within themselves. Mm. And I, before, you know, I wrote the book physically, writing time was eight days, but I spent eight months figuring out who am I speaking to? Whose problem am I solving? What is my message? How do I write? What am I about? What is the brand? What voice needs to come out in the book? I went through this, you know, very intricate process with Ron Malhotra to get to the point in time when, yes, now we write the book and it came out so easily because A, throughout the thought leadership model, you know, thinking is what we do. And I crafted out space and time for me to think. I, you know, thinking is my most valuable asset. It's, you know, without that, what am I communicating? So I got into the discipline. I had a lot of discipline. I'm very used to sitting down and when I need to do something, I do it because if I don't do it now, future Eleanor is going to cop the consequences and she does not want to deal with it. So I think out of the place of my future self, I knew I needed to write this book. And then when I was writing it, I was like, the industry needs this book. There is nothing out there like this. And I'm not going to be the person who's going to be the roadblock to other people getting to experience this book and the unconventional career intelligence that all of its 204 pages actually contains. But the book is a byproduct of, first of all, figuring out what it is that I have to say. What do I care about? What problem am I solving? What am I actually here to do? You don't start with the book. You don't start with the podcast. You don't start with the YouTube channel. You don't start with three and a half thousand followers on Instagram. That's not what you start with. That gets built up. And then we build these brand assets, which is the book. And I look at it and I'm so proud of it because it is a reflection of all of who I am 
and that really you know it really matters and the feedback keeps on coming through and it's doing exactly what I intended it to do was to be be the mentor be the guide be the friend that you know people of varying levels in the industry actually need you know in a sense I wrote the book for Eleanor who I used to be yeah, I love that, and, and, and I totally, I totally agree as well. It takes dedication, and it takes trying things and get, getting, getting to that point. That get going for the pain and the ups and downs, like you said, to find your message and then create it from there. But I guess you would have spent eight months finding the vision, finding what you wanted to to achieve within the book, and then eight days. I guess that must have been eight days of nearly 20 hours a day or or was it was it something that, that that came quite easy for you it was probably 12 hour days and i would set metrics saying this is you know i need to write this much a day in order to be able to send a manuscript to the publisher at the end of the month and it, i started writing as soon as the lockdown happened in melbourne so i thought you know, i've been given net time i've been mm. all i've run into so much time i can't do events I can't, you know, I, I mentor online, so it doesn't really affect me. So all of a sudden I have this net time. Of course, I'm going to make the best use of it. And, you know, and the the thinking about the book actually started, you know, months ago when I, I was in Israel in the start of the year, I had a lot of time to think. So I was, you know, planning. I spent a lot more time planning than actually executing because you don't plan and execute at the same time. That's how some people, you know, take them five years to write. Mm if they ever even get to that. And, you know, it was also about, you know, this is my first book. It's going to be one of many. Is it going to be the most perfect? No. But in order to get to perfect, I actually need to start something. And, yes, you know, I look at it and it is as as close to perfect as it is. And up until two weeks when it had to go to print, I stopped writing. It's like enough. It's just yeah. It's like it's like an artist that always there's always something else you can do, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. It's like, yeah, it's like chasing it with a paintbrush. It's like, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. How has your personal brand impacted you? It's been one of the most, I guess, beautiful parts of being on the thought leadership journey. And I said to Ron, even if the journey were to end here, and this is all that I am left with, I am so phenomenally grateful because. My brand is a reflection of all of who I am. And I look at the strength and confidence of my brand and how congruent and authentic it is. And I'm so proud because that is me. A brand isn't colors and, you know, lines and artistic, whatever. It's none of those things. That's just the media in which it is communicated. The brand is, first of all, your philosophy and what you stand for. A brand is the experience which you want to give other people when they interact with you. Mm-hmm. A brand, you know, it is a personal brand. It is all about you, but it's you're not the one experiencing your brand. It is the marketplace which experiences your brand. And I, I look at the brand as a whole and, Ele- and Eleanor Musha as a brand and, you know, being able to deliver something of this caliber and quality to the marketplace is is so unique. And it's more about the values that are instilled within the brand. It is the philosophy. It is everything that I stand for. It is my belief system. And that is what actually translates in a brand. And people experience things in different ways. And mm-hmm. your brand isn't actually meant to be ice cream. Yeah. I mean, everyone likes it. 
it's not meant to attract everyone. And I'm so glad that my brand actually repels people because they're not my people. They're not meant to be my community. Absolutely. A brand is how you actually speak to people without actually physically speaking to them. And, you know, professionals, even if they think they don't have a brand, they do have a brand. It's just one that is compliant and one that isn't strategically crafted and managed in order to communicate what it is that they stand for. And as I said before, being authentic to all of who they are. And a brand is an evolution. I look back at the content put up even this time last year. And I'm like, wow, it's come a long way. It's yeah. it's evolved completely. And, you know, I'm, I'm consciously iterating the experience and and looking at my brand because when you're a thought leader, all our brands and everything that we do is is intangible. I mean, it's a non, it's not a product-based service. So our brand is one of our most biggest assets. And without the brand, I wouldn't be on this podcast talking to you. Without the brand, there wouldn't be a best-selling book. Without the brand, there wouldn't have been a podcast with 25,000 downloads. Without the brand, there would be no sold-out masterminds. It's really the brand which is which has afforded the success that that I have had. But regardless of those externalities, figuring out my personal brand has allowed me to meet me. Mm-hmm. This is Marsha. This is who she was always meant to be. But now I actually get to be her. It's like you've been unleashed. It's like yeah. it's like someone's that there's a canvas is 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 there, and it's like go make your masterpiece. It's it's awesome. I love what you've said about brands. I've started working with a mentor literally last week and he said two things to me. He said, branding isn't colors. As you said, it isn't colors. It isn't what your logo looks like. He said that it's what is your promise to your customers and what do people say about you when you're not in the room? Yeah. And I was like, that's such a simple way of just you know, deciphering such a, a big topic, you know, I love what you've said in, in, in addition, Elmore, but I guess just, just to wrap up, what, what are you excited about within the industry and for the future of your, your brand? I think there is a world of opportunity for the future leaders and industry professionals who wake up and realize that there are many unconventional ways to have a career where you can have impact, influence, and success, and where you can actually have levers to influence your income and to have a global network, to have a community that spans countries and have opportunities to do what makes you come alive. Mm -hmm. I'm excited. I'm not excited for anything different. I'm just excited for more of what I already get to do and what I already love and there is just so much opportunity in that thought leadership space, in the expert space within the industry. And I'm so excited to add a reality for, for my clients, but also to, you know, let, let the borders open up and let the world open up because I've got yeah. and, dance <laughs> and there's, there's so much that, that I want to do and that I'm so excited to keep on delivering to the construction industry. Well, I've worked in the UK, Ireland, New Zealand, and Australia, and you're the first person I've seen in construction who have really built a brand and it's so strong 
and it's consistent. So congratulations. If, if there's anyone out there that Thank wants you. to connect or, or buy the book or get coaching fr- from you, Eleanor, how, how should they reach out? I would have to say that's one of the most incredible pieces of feedback. So thank you for that. <laughs> if anyone would love to connect with me, I'm on LinkedIn, Eleanor Mosher, Instagram at Eleanor Mosher underscore. And you can go to my website for all other opportunities, eleanormosher.com. And my book is called Constructing Your Career. It is available on Amazon and Booktopia. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for being a guest. My absolute pleasure and privilege. Thank you for the conversation. Thank you, Eleanor. Thank you so much for listening to Made to Measure. I really hope you enjoyed the podcast. This is the only podcast in the world that focuses on the niche area of construction costing. Therefore, as an independent podcast, your support is invaluable. Please like, share, screenshot, give a review, or just tell your friends and colleagues about the show. More people that know about the podcast, the better the guests that we can bring to you, the better the content you will consume. Thank you for joining me. I'm Mick Donaghy, and this was Made to Measure.